0: If you will, take out God's Word with me, the Bible. And we're going to ask this question this morning. We're going to look at this for a couple of weeks, and here's the big question for us as we look at God's Word. I think it's a question that's on all of our hearts and minds, whether we truly think about it sometimes or not. The question is this, can I actually live by this book? Can I live by the book? Is God's Word enough for me to be able to, to give my life, to live my life by, to guide me and see me through the things that are happening in my life. Let me share with you Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. It says this, the instruction of the Lord is perfect. Renewing one's life, the testimony wise, the trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. God has given us his word. He's given us the Bible. And what we talked about, if you were able to worship with us last week, we talked about that last year we had a focus, if you will, on prayer. That We started in Acts 4.31 last year, and we saw this incredible prayer of the followers of Jesus Christ who came together at a time of crisis, and the time of crisis was really this. It was, God, we feel like that you've led us to do these certain things, but the things that are happening in our community and in our culture and in the leadership are actually going against the things that you've asked us to do. And so, God, we want to give ourselves fully to you And so, God, we need you to answer our prayer. Give us the boldness to live out what you've called us to do. And God answered that prayer in Acts 4.31 by shaking the place where the disciples were meeting and praying. And then he filled them with his spirit, it said, and they went out and boldly spoke the word of the Lord. And one of the things that we realize as we understand that particular story is you can't go out and boldly speak the word of the Lord unless you know the word of the Lord. And so we wanted to give an opportunity this year to those who would be willing to just like last year we gave an opportunity for people to join us at 4:31 each day and pray a simple prayer that God would fill you with His spirit and that you would speak the word of God boldly where He's placed you. and we invite you to continue in that. What we're inviting people to do this year, maybe you've already done it, maybe you've never done it, but we're inviting you to read through the Bible with us this year. Read through the Bible. Uh, And when I say this year, I'm talking 52 weeks because I know, oh, my gosh, we've already missed a week, Pastor. What are we going to do? We're behind. So on the back table, if you would like, there are these guides called Read the Bible in One Year. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it's a chunk every day. I'm just going to let you know. And we've broken it up like this where you would read five days a week. That gives you two days to oops or two days to get ahead or whatever you would want to do. And the way that this guide is written is it starts at Genesis 1 and it ends at Revelation 22, okay? So it goes forward to back. Let me allow you some breathing room and some, some ways that you can uh, help yourself. If you're reading something else at a different pace, go ahead and check it off. That's, that's part of it. If you are reading at a different pace, flip to that page and check it off as you go. This isn't a challenge uh, there are no Kool-Aid and cookies at the end of this for those who finish this task. I'm sorry. It is truly an opportunity just to say, I want to make sure that I have, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that I have read the Word of God cover to cover, that I, that I know that I have done everything I can to put it in my heart. And at the front page of this, I'll just go ahead and say them publicly now. I, I put some, some insight in there if you've never done this. First thing I would say is use your own pace. Like I said, maybe, maybe it's going to take you two years. Okay, that's fine. Maybe it's going to take you a month and a half. <laughs> Wonderful for you. Okay, that's great. I think I've told you this before. had a New Testament professor who read the New Testament every 30 days. And when he taught my New Testament class, he never opened his Bible because he had been doing that for 42 years. He knew the Word of God. He, he never even opened the Bible to teach it. I mean, that's just because of the discipline he would put in his life. So use your own pace. If you, if you get behind, don't panic. If you want to read ahead, read ahead. Do those type of things. Second thing I would say, have a little notebook with you. And when you run across some things that maybe you have questions about or perhaps you don't understand, it's a wonderful thing to write them down. Or perhaps you run across something that just stirs your heart and God speaks to you in that moment. And you're saying, ooh, I I need to remember that. Just, Just write it down. And those are wonderful things to be able to share with people or to be able to ask other people, talk about in your Bible study classes and other things like that. The third thing that I would just tell you, it's a real heads up when you're reading the Bible through like this. Some sections of the Bible speak to your heart more closely than other sections do. And let's just be honest about that. Sometimes we all have a dry season when reading that. And I would just encourage you, stay with it. Stay with it and just pray at those points and times that God would just truly make his word come to life in your heart. Because when it becomes a routine that you're just doing because you want to get a check mark done, it it kind of loses its luster. The point of this whole thing is for you to connect with the word of God. That's why I say throw our pace aside. Throw these things aside. The, The heart behind all of this is are you connecting with the word of God? And then the last thing that I would say, and I would say that this might be the most important thing, find a partner. Buddy up. Find someone to do this with you. Get together every once in a while. Talk through what you're reading, what you're learning, how this is going, what you're finding out about these things, and it will help this come to life more than anything else. So these are available on the back table if you would like one. And like I said, all it is is two weeks and read five days a week. The Bible is broken out into sections that if you were to take 52 weeks and read five days a week, it would take this much to get through it in those 52 weeks. If your pace is different than that, that's fine. And so we invite everyone to join us this year and to to read the Bible. Now let's ask the question, why? Why the Bible, Pastor? Well, you need to understand something. That we've kind of created something in our culture, whether we realize it or not, where we like to be, you know, taught instead of being the one teaching sometimes. We've created almost a culture where we like to come and, and we like to, to sit and listen to what the pastor has to say. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you something. I'm not right all the time. And sometimes I need people looking at different things and saying, hey, I, I see this a different way. Or I didn't ever understand it like that. Or, hey, did you realize this? And so we've, we've almost created this culture where we like to come and be taught instead of maybe going directly. And what we're missing out is that God has written this to each one of us to live out in our heart. And and when you're when you're getting that through someone else, you're not getting it as directly as you can straight from God Himself. And so I want to challenge you. obviously, it's one way that God. Now why the Bible? Why? Well, the first thing is, is it's it's one way. Obviously, it's one way that God speaks to me. You know, people ask me all the time, Pastor, you talk sometimes about God speaks to you in this, God speaks to you in that. What does that mean? Well, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, the most consistent way that God's ever spoke to me in my life is through his word, period. Well, pastor, has he ever spoken to you in other ways? Yeah, absolutely. But there has been most consistently God speaking to me through through his word, guiding me, directing me, showing me different things. And you can consistently receive instruction from God by being in his word. And the work of being a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know I said work, and we've all been off for a while, and some of us have to go back to work, you know, I I get that. But the work of being a follower of Jesus Christ is, is, honestly, it's this. It's learning to live by God's Word instead of my Word. Because by default, we all want to live life by our Word. In our way, in our experience, in our way that we see things, and and, in our interpretation of how it goes. And sometimes that's not good enough. Sometimes we're off. Sometimes we're wrong. Now, I say sometimes because sometimes we're following God in these areas, and our way and his way does line up. So it's not that we're always off. But we need to understand that God speaks to me in his word, and I have the opportunity to be in his word so that he can guide me in his word and in his way. You see, when we place our trust in Jesus, when we we talk about this moment where where we ask Jesus Christ to be in our heart, we accept his invitation to be Savior of our life, that's that moment of salvation. That's that moment where God is a God of his word, and he says that because you have called out to him, that you've confessed your sins, that you've believed in Jesus Christ, that you are now saved, you are his. But here's the question that sometimes comes up with that, okay, well now what do I do? Well, now becomes the work of living. You get to live. It's not just that salvation is secure. It's now how do I live this out in my life? And one of the great ways that we do that is by adjusting our word to God's word. And we need to learn to take God at his word. Let me ask you a question. Do you have some people in your life that if they just say something to it, you don't even have to research it anymore. You just go, okay, they said that. All right, that, that's what You have any of those people? Now, do you have some people in your life that doesn't matter what they say, you go, yeah, that's probably not true. <laughs> okay, now that's our experience, right? Because we all run into these type of people. So sometimes when we say that phrase, we just take it at your word. Sometimes some of us are feeling like I'm not so sure. Let's just have an honest moment. Sometimes we have the feeling if I'm not so sure I can take God at his word. And what we're wrestling with at that point in time is honestly it's a question of authority. So I want you to follow my path if you can this morning. Let's talk a little bit about authority when it comes to God's word. Now Hebrews 6, 13 through 15 gives us a wonderful insight into the authority of God's word. It says this, when God made a promise to Abraham, God himself made a promise to Abraham If you read with us, you'll probably run into that in the first couple of weeks, by the way, if you read with us and follow along with this. When God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham Obtain the promise. Now, what that verse is telling us is that God's word to Abraham was, I'm going to do these things. And because there was no greater authority than God, he said, You take me at my word because I'm the top of the chain. Now, it may sound a bit odd to think about this, but oftentimes when we're struggling with God's word, what we're actually doing is we're trying to seek a higher authority to verify what God said is true. Now, if you're seeking a higher authority to verify what God said is true, what you're seeking is God. Because there is no higher authority than God. And if we make something a higher authority than God, then we've taken God off of his throne and we've placed this new higher authority on that throne. And most often what gets placed there is our preferences and our opinions. Let's just be honest with that. We come across something in God's word and we go, I don't like that. I don't think that that's, that's not very nice. It's not very, I don't like that a whole lot. That's hard. That's hard, you know. And and so we just go, well, I'm just going to take that part. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to put my own preference and my own opinion there. And, and what we've done, and let's, I'm, let us off the hook here a little bit. We don't do that, honestly, with spite or with anger or with malice sometimes. Sometimes it's our culture that just kind of puts us in, pulls us in this direction. And we say, "Oh, I don't see how that fits. And so that really can't make sense. And since it doesn't make sense to me, then I'll just replace what makes sense to me rather than what makes sense to God. And I'll put it there. And then what we've done is we've diluted God's word and we've missed out on what he said. And so we've placed an authority higher than God in the place of God. And, that it, and then we miss out on what the word of God says and yet that's what many of us do we struggle sometimes taking God at his word what does it mean to take God at his at his word it simply means this that as you read through scripture as you become a follower of Christ you understand that you've been brought up with a different culture a different way of doing things and those things have become part of you And as you begin to say, I'm going to now follow the way that God wants things done, which is a perfect way of doing things, which is the way that he created me to be, you can imagine that at some point in time, you're going to run into a conflict. There's going to be something that you run into that you say, I'm not so sure that that's right. I'm not so sure that I can do that. As a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what I would encourage you to do. When his way and your way seem to conflict do it his way. <laughs> that, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and I know that that sounds like, well, gosh, pastor, well, are we just supposed to trust God and do it that way? Yes, we are. Well, doesn't that seem like you're just throwing logic out the window? We read The first chapter of the first book of the Bible, you will see. That all of the things that are created around us were created by God. They were put in order by God. They were created with a purpose for His glory and for our good. And that when all of the creation is living in the order of God, all things are right. But you need to understand that right now, are we living in a world where all things are following the created order of God? No. So, what does that mean? Well, that means that at times, that when I'm following God's word and I'm living in a world that's not following God's created order, I'm going to constantly run into conflict. There's going to constantly be something that says, where do I trust? What do I do at this point in time? And that's the point in time that as a follower of Christ, we need to learn to follow God's word instead of our word. And you can't follow what you don't know. And so that's the simple reason that we want to read through God's Word. The other thing is this. It's a guide for today's issues. It's not a history book. It's a guide for today's issues. As you read the Word of God, you will begin to discover the character of God. You will begin to know God better. You will begin to discern His voice. And you will begin to identify things in this world where you go, that wasn't God. Because God in his word has never done that, never acted that way, never been that way, never will be that way. That is not in God's character. That's coming from something else. And so the God's word is a guide for today's issues. It it's helps us navigate how we live out our faith in the place and the time and the culture that God has placed us. We live out God's word at times, like I've said, Living it out sometimes will place you at odds with culture. Now, let me talk about this for a little bit. I've used words like conflict, and I've used words like at odds, and that makes us sound like we're getting ready for a fight, doesn't it? When you understand the character of God, and one of the greatest ways that you can see the character of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. And you see that Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he was constantly running into conflict, wasn't he? Because when he even came to the religious leaders and the way that they were leading things was in conflict with what he was wanting to do and with what God's created order was. But I I need you to understand something. There is a huge, huge difference between facing and enduring conflict versus seeking conflict. When you run into things in God's word that seem to be at conflict with what's going on in the world... What should happen is your heart should break. What should happen is you should say, I now see the way that God's intended it and how off we are. It shouldn't make you angry to the point that you just want to go out and be combative with everyone. Did Jesus ever have conflict with people? Certainly he did. But did Jesus get up in the morning and go, I'm just going to go tell all these people what's wrong with everything? No. Jesus was seeking to live out God's Word, and in doing so, there were times when it ran into things, and in those moments, with the fullness of the Spirit of God in his life, leading him in love, he handled those situations in that way. So, Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, "...the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword." Penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And look at this it is able to judge the thoughts and the intent. Lived out is in the heart of the follower. The first place that God's word is to be lived out is in the heart of the follower of Jesus Christ. And you may have heard me say this before when we live out God's word with the right heart, then what we're doing is we're applying it to our life. And then filled by the Spirit of God, we're we are then seeing the fruit of the Spirit known as self-discipline into action. We're saying that, God, I'm seeing some things that are different in my heart in my life than what's in your word. I'm going to take you at your word, but gosh, it's hard sometimes. And so I need you to fill me with your Spirit to help me even follow you in doing these things. And that's what begins to happen in our own heart heart, and we have to live it out there first and foremost, because when we try to then just, and and hear my words, when we try to enforce God's will on others' life, that's when it becomes distasteful. That's when it becomes legalism. That's when it becomes almost even hateful. God Wants to do a work in your life and encourage you to live out his word. And as you're living out his words, you will have ample opportunity to share what he's doing in your life with others. But when you just live it in such a way that you're saying, let's just have a moment here. Is God's way right? Is the world's way wrong? Very passionate about that are going in this world that, okay. And there are some things that sometimes we get very passionate about that are going in this world that are very, very wrong. But the way that we approach those as a follower of Christ is at times just as important as knowing right from wrong. Because there are some times, can we just be honest, that as believers we can present God's word in a distasteful way that will turn others away, right? So where is God's word first supposed to be wrestled with, lived out, and put in order? It's in the heart of the believer before we ever take a step forward for others. Will God use you to change hearts and lives of others as you live his word out? Yes. And I don't mean this to be rude, and, and I'm, I know this is this is saying a statement that I don't know the, the full, but I, I've never seen those street preachers that yell at anybody, draw a crowd and lead people to Jesus Christ. I've just never seen it happen. As a matter of fact, I'll just be honest, when I walk by them, I just kind of go, I just pray for them and go, God, would you do something in their heart? <laughs> and... It is also a reminder, and would you help me be a light? Because at least they're out here trying to be a light to somebody. At least they're, they're trying to do this. But maybe they're not doing it in the way that's, that's most effective. See, the word of God is a double-edged sword. It it, cuts, it it judges the thoughts and the action of the heart. And this is what is important as you live out God's word. It, what is God leading you by his spirit to do? Will some of you get the opportunity to fight battles In the arena of culture that some of us never will, absolutely, you will. And I hope you do it well, and I hope you do it in God's way, and I hope you do it filled with the Spirit. And I hope you make changes in this world that lead it to be a better place. But the first place it has to happen is in our heart. And when we try to make the changes in somebody else's life that we haven't wrestled with or lived out in our own heart, it's just legalism. It's pushing something on other people that we don't really understand to its fullness. Psalm 119, 105 tells us this. Your word is a lamp for, what are those next two words? My feet and my path. And so God's word has to be a lamp and a light for my feet and my path. First, before I can make any sort of significant difference in the hearts and the lives of other people. You see, because knowing God's word, you need to understand this, it can change my life. It can change my life. Are you, if you're struggling over simplification, any way, shape, or form, this may be the, the, the world's greatest oversimplification, but I promise you, if you will know and apply God's word to your life, it will work out. Most of the time, when, when we see that it doesn't, it's because we're applying some of God's word and some of our own wisdom. And you blend those two things together and it dilutes it down and it doesn't reach its full effectiveness and it doesn't reach its full potential. But when you begin to actually know and apply God's word, it will change your life. It will change it for the better. It's the one book that we know that can be read and without any other interaction change the trajectory of a person's life through salvation. It can lead a person to know the living God, and it can give direction in how to navigate this culture and this world that we live in, if we know it. 1 Corinthians one eighteen. you know, when we say that sometimes, I know that just honestly, there's even those who are followers of Christ who have maybe a little bit of a struggle in their head because they're, they're just seeing some things that are so different. I love how Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians one eighteen. He just goes right for it and he says this. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Can I just tell you something? What that means is as you choose to live your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, following God's word, there are people who are going to look at you and go, that's the most stupid thing I think I've ever heard in my life. And Paul's saying that. He's saying the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who, who don't understand it, who those who don't follow Christ. They look at it and go, that's just foolish. Who would live their life that way? He says, but it is the power of God for those of us being saved. It's the power of Of God in your life For those of us being saved As a follower of Jesus Christ I'm reading and I'm taking in God's word And then I'm trying to change my life To follow it and live out God's word That's the power of God It will change my life And why would I ever want to do that Simply this Because I can trust God I can trust God I've probably alluded to it several times already. But the bottom line is this. You're asking yourself the question in life, am I going to trust God or am I going to trust myself? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust my experiences and my thoughts? And my, or or, or what, what can I do in each and every situation? And some of us are wired that in there are times when things get difficult and we run straight to God and that's the point in time when it's easiest to trust God and and sometimes when things are going smooth and easy and and all is good we we tend to wander away from God and some of us are wired just the opposite when things are going good we tend to go oh God's blessings are on me I'm going to follow God and I, I'm in on this and when things get bad we just want to take and just grab the bull by the horns and think I've got to get myself out of this situation and and so we we struggle sometimes with what it means to trust. God fully in our life, and that's just part of being a follower. But you need to understand: I can trust God; I can take Him at His word. And Proverbs three, five, and six gives us this great promise: Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. When you get your Bible and you open that up, or if it's on your iPad or iPhone or you know whatever, highlight: Do not rely on your own understanding. I mean, that's honestly what we're talking about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all, all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. That's the importance of God's word. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. About how to apply God's word and what i actually do with it as I begin to live it. But the initial question that we need to wrestle with this week is, do I trust God enough to live out his word? Do I trust God enough that I will take him at his word, and when my ways and his ways conflict, I will lay my ways down, and I will do things God's way, and I will trust that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do, and that if I live my life following him, that it will be, the life that goes beyond anything that I could do on my own. and It will bring fullness to my heart. You, you hear me say this a lot. Does that mean in following God, and you can you can answer this question, in following God, does that mean everything in life is going to go great? Okay. It means that no matter what I face in life, that God's walking through that with me. And when I feel like I don't know what step to take or I don't know where to go, that his Word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. He's going to help me know what to go. The more that I take God's word and I put it in my heart, and the more that I'm able to live it out and have a guide to navigate this life, I can trust that God will see me through. Who do you trust?